tonight, and so we'll have to do a, a, a recap when we get back in three weeks because you'll have forgotten everything I said tonight. But really, for the we're still in. I would say we're still in introduction mode to this study. As as we looked at Israel, and and we're talking about these signs of the times, these things that have to come to be. Uh, and the prophecy that we're seeing even fulfilled in our lifetime, the things that we're seeing happening before us, the, these, are, these are signs of the end. And we've, we looked at Israel. Uh, we've looked at this, this renewing or, 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 or uh, uh, reforming of the, the, the Roman Empire in that European Union. We, we talked about that in the last few weeks. And then tonight we're going to look at another player in the end times, and that's in, in Russia. We're looking at Russia. Now, again, the, the, this part of the study as we're doing this is I'm really referencing a lot of, of what David Jeremiah says in his book, uh, The Book of Signs. And so this is, this is David Jeremiah has done a great study on, on prophecy for years and years and years. And so that's where we're at. That's where we're working on as we work on these signs of the times. And then uh, later on, we're going to go through a, thought, a, a, a word for word. I don't know if we'll go word for word, for word verse for verse. Uh, we may go chunk by chunk through the book of Revelation. And, uh, you know, it's not a difficult book. It's it, it's it's confusing book if you've never, if you've not read it a lot, if you don't have an understanding of what's going on there. But there's some things that you see, and then you see it again, then you see it again. And it's getting an understanding of that time frame, what's going on. There's a view on earth, there's a view in heaven, there's a view on earth, there's a view in heaven. Those kind of things. And when you understand that, it's easier to put those things in place. So we'll, we'll do a study. And, uh, you know, I don't think this is going to be a, a full year or two-year study, but we're not going to rush through it. We'll... we'll well, I've been encouraged as I went through this in a way I didn't anticipate being encouraged. Um, and, and just the things that you watch, even tonight, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and start. So um, we're, we're, Ezekiel chapter 38 is where we're going to be, 38 and 39. So if you want to turn to Ezekiel, we'll, we'll be there. We're going to read some of those scriptures. We won't read everything through this tonight. I would encourage you to go and, and later on tonight read through chapter. I'd, I'd go back to 36 and 37 and read 38 and 39. And, uh, and you'll understand that as we go on. But let's read the first six verses there in Ezekiel uh, 38, verses 1 through 6. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man... Set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, uh, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Verse 5, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shields and helmet. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma uh, from the far north and all its troops. Many people are with you. All right, so I'm going to stop right there, and, and we're going to look at this. So kind of an introduction. Look, the, the bear, when we're talking about Russia, oh, we got some slides. Let's see, I forgot about the slides. So we got some slides. All right, Jesse, was there one before that? Oh, have y'all seen that? Anybody seen that, that picture? No, you haven't seen the picture yet. Go, go one more slide. Anybody seen that picture yet? So if you go back, go back a slide, go back the, to the before there. Daniel says this. Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision, 
by night. And behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle, eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off. And you can go to the next slide now. So this, is, this has been installed outside the UN in New York. All right now, I don't, I'm not saying it's the beast, but it was interesting to see the comments from this. This is, this is, this is, I mean, you read in scripture and then you see that at the UN. It doesn't, to me, that's not like, oh, well, that's not a big deal. I think it is a big deal. I think it's something that's, it's very interesting to note that. Now, that was given to them by some state or province in Mexico. They, and then someone commented and said, okay, that's a very, very common thing in Mexico. Well, so what? That doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that th something like that is described in end times prophecy, and now that is sitting right outside the UN in New York. I'm not trying to make more of that than what it is. I'm just stating the fact that that's there and what the scriptures say. Um, it's amazing how many people, you know, you could get slapped in the face with a wet mop and they go, I, that was, you know, that was a sponge. The obvious can hit you, and, and, and it just doesn't. All right, so anyway. All right, next slide, Jesse. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll just hang on right there. Jesse, I'm sorry. I need Jesse back there. I saw the hat. And then it just occurred to me, what is Jesse doing in here? I was fixing to get on him in front of everybody. All right, son, Kevin, my son. All right, so we're talking about Russia now, the bear is waking from hibernation. I, I think it's safe to say for a time, Russia kind of went into the bear. The Russian bear went into hibernation. They were, they were off the world scene. I mean, Reagan, when, you know, you talk about breaking somebody. Uh, I, I got a picture of my daughter, and she came home one, one summer. I don't know, maybe, maybe last summer. I don't remember when it was. And she was all big and bad. She wanted to go run with me. We were going to go run. And we got about two miles into it. And I took a picture of her because she was just, and I had to call Gina to come pick her up. And I text Gina, I think I texted her and said, hey, you need to come get your, your daughter. I broke your daughter. And so I got this picture of her and she's got it under, and the shirt she's got on says, um, my happy place, or this is my happy face or something like that. And she just looks like my broker, okay? So that, you know what I'm talking about when you break somebody. They're broke, they're will. You know, Reagan broke Russia. He did, he had, it was what, the, the policies and everything, what he did back then, broke the Soviet Union up. That was, that, that was dispersed. And, and Russia lost their power. And, and I'm going to tell you, if you think Putin isn't still fuming about that, you're grossly misled. Putin is a full-on KGB communist. He wants power. He wants the power now. He wants, the, he wants to be the leader of the, 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 the Soviet Union, not of Russia. He would love to have the entire Soviet Union back. And so they're waking up. And, you know, from, from the, the opportunity, you would have to admit from his perspective, is now. There is an opportunity now. You've got an America that the will is, is probably not there. I know it's not there from our administration we have right now to defend. Um, I have to be careful what I say, but uh, there's, there's certainly not a will to stand up to him right now and to do the right things for our own country right now. But see, well, the will isn't there, and then you got the Middle East, that the order in the Middle East is disintegrating quickly, and, 
So what is to keep him from trying to put everything back together, to pull that back and to, to, to rattle his swords and stuff? And, 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 you know, he's going to show how strong. Look, this is a man who wants to be, I would think, those kind of egos, he wants to be the most powerful man in the world. I don't think there's any doubt in that. I mean, that's why he rides around on polar bears or whatever it is he does with his shirt off. He wants to look so, I'm so tough and all this stuff and, and, and stuff. So it's, it's obvious. Um, but here's the question. You know, is Russia, uh, uh, is that threat from Russia, is it real? Is that a real threat? Well, our biblical evidence points to a resounding yes. If you, if you read the scriptures and you study the scriptures, what you find is that Russia is, is heavily in these end-time prophecy. Or at least, as we believe, we believe that they are, that this is Russia that we're reading about. And so, look, Russia one day, if the scriptures, if we're interpreting the scriptures right, and, and, and I think this is right, you know, Russia one day is going to ignite a world war like none before. It, it's going to be the biggest thing we've, that's ever been seen in the history of man. So let's talk about Russia, Russian aggression. So about 2,500 years ago, God inspired Ezekiel to write of Russia's return to power in these latter days. It's what, this is God said it, okay? So God already knows what's coming. So when he writes it, he reveals it to us. He reveals it to a prophet and, there, and there's prophecies that's written and it's recorded down. God said it. Everything, and we've talked about this. This is what we've been studying Sunday mornings back just recently. Cover to cover, this is God's word. A man penned it, Ezekiel penned it, but God told him what to write. God revealed to Ezekiel what was coming and so he records that. So in Ezekiel uh, chapter 38 and 39... Uh, he described the invasion of Israel by ten entities, including Russia and a coalition of mostly Islamic nations. Now, the third name in Ezekiel's list of ten names is Rosh. And, and we've, already, we've already seen that there. We, we looked at that, but it's Rosh. And it identifies the nation ruled by the leader of the coalition that will attack Israel. Okay, so um, there's two reasons that we believe Rosh is modern-day Russia. The first is it's a phonetic reason. There's a phonetic similarity. And it's not just because uh, ignorantly we would say, well, Russia and Rosh sound alike. But what happens is when you're translating and you have Rosh, uh, and I'm not a linguist. I'm not a, I'm not a historical linguist. I wouldn't understand these things. But in the, in the changing of time and history of, of languages, what sometimes would happen with words is vowels would change. The consonants would stay the same, but the vowels would change. So if you take Rosh and you swap out the O with a U, what do you have? Ta-da! Yeah, you got Rush now. And so you've got Rush, which is the, you know, it's the, it's the root of the modern-day Russia. So the first reason is phonetic similarity. The second is that the scriptures refer to the location of Israel as the middle of the earth. That's what, so Ezekiel 5.5 5 says, Thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of the nations and the countries all around her. So when we, when we have geographical directions and prophecy, they're referenced to the position of Israel. So that's something we've got to understand. Well, God's reference point, where's his eyes? God's always looking at Israel. His, he's always, his mind, his eyes, his heart is right there on Israel. So when he's giving us prophetic direction, you've got to go back. That's the center. That's, the, you know, that's your compass. You can figure out from that where, 
where, where, the, the, where he's talking about. So where is this? If he said in the north, you got to have a starting point. Well, in the scriptures, Israel is the starting point. It's the middle of everything. And so we know where Israel is. And uh, it's, it's much like when the scriptures say, if you've ever noticed the scriptures in, it's in, it always talk about going up to Jerusalem. Who's ever noticed that? Okay, so we'll talk about that a lot when we go to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is on a hill. And, and, and there's a couple of things here. So typically when you're coming into Jerusalem, you're coming up to Jerusalem. And it doesn't matter if you're coming from the Dead Sea. And if you're coming from the Dead Sea, you would be coming up, but you would be coming up, coming north as well. But it has nothing to do with coming up north. Uh, you can be coming from the south and be traveling down, but you're going to go up into Jerusalem. And it's because there's a spiritual high there as well. There's a spiritual high point. So when we, when we look at the scriptures, sometimes it's speaking of that. We go up to Jerusalem. So whatever the directions are given, Israel is the center point. It's the middle of that, and we can always identify it. So Daniel describes the leader who would lead an attack against Israel in the latter days as the king of the north. That's in Daniel uh, chapter 11, verses 5 through 35. And you read that. He's talking about the king of the north. And Ezekiel says the invading armies will come to Israel from the far north. That's in Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 6. We just read that. And then verse 15 also. So there's only one country that occupies a geographical position to the far north in relation to Israel. And that nation is Russia. So Ezekiel's Rosh... As we look at this, we, we, we would understand it that Ezekiel's Rosh is today's Russia. So the, then we're talking about a Russian alliance. If Rosh is the, that, that's the, the, the main country there, there's an alliance then of, of nine other countries, nine other names that make up this coalition. Now, first thing is, let's look at the commander of this alliance. And so verse, verse 1 there says, now the, name, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse 2, Son of man, set your face against Gog... Of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. So Gog here refers to a person, not a nation. This is not speaking, this is not, you know, it's not Gog and Magog, this country, that country. It's Gog and Magog, and Gog is a leader. It, so the, the, the word Gog means higher supreme. So the idea is, you know, scholars would tell us that Gog is, is in a personal, it's not a personal name, uh, Megog, Megog, uh, uh, but it's a it's a, a title. I get so easily. I, if y'all just knew what went on up here, I'm so easily occupied and entertained. Um, but it's more like a title, like president or pharaoh. It's a, it's a title. So Gog is the leader of the armies to invade Israel, and God commands him to be on guard. Verse 7 there in chapter 38. Prepare yourself. Now he's speaking here. God is talking to Gog. He says, prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that, that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. Now it's interesting here in these passages, and I'm going to talk more about this in a minute, but it's interesting that God is talking to God is talking to Gog. He's talking to this, this supreme leader, if you will, this, this commander of this coalition of forces that's going to come against Israel. Now let's look at the countries, and that's what you see on the screen. It's kind of a breakdown of these countries you're going to look at. So first one there is Magog. 
Magog. So Genesis 10, 2 is the sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog. So the second there, we see Magog is the, the second son of Japheth and grandson of Noah. And most believe that Magog founded uh, this domain of the Scathians, and, and they lived in the mountains around the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. So if, you, if you're aware of those areas, it would be what we would, I think we would call it the Baltic. Some of that's the Baltic area. And, and so all, but, but when you're going there, you're not just there, you're going further west. In fact, if you can see, so I have my trusty pointer here. Here is Tajikistan. It's that little country. So here's Uzbekistan. So all of these over here, um, these, these are the stand countries. Tajikistan was actually the furthest south country of the former Soviet Union. It was, it was the last of the stands that was a part of that. It was the furthest south of those former Soviet unions. But that area over there would make up Magog. Is, is that area? And, and so here what you're seeing is Meshach, Tubal, and, uh, and uh, Beth to, to, uh, Togarma as, as making up that, that part in the green, that Russian area. But you have Magog, which would be really... Hey, go to that next slide, Jesse. <laughs> Is there another one? Is that it? That's it. All right, this, this one may be a, bit, a little easier to see even here. So you see Magog over there. Kind of, kind of west of the Caspian Sea, that area over there. So that's that's Magog, and uh, it, it, and again, that's the homeland of the Stans. That's the homeland of the Stan clan, the Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, and and some even speculate maybe Afghanistan. But all except for Afghanistan are, are countries of former Soviet Union. And so the one thing they have in common today, they're all Islamic. And Tajikistan may be Tajikistan may be the most mild, and we heard a few weeks ago, and we had our friends here sharing how that has changed. That they've clamped down a lot on religious freedom, even since the time I was there, and that was 13, 14 years ago. So a lot has changed even there. But it's an Islamic republic, and they would tell you that they have religious freedom, but they don't. It's it's in word only, not in practice. And in those areas there of Magog, there is in the neighborhood of 60, a population combination of about 60 million people in those countries. Then you have Meshach and Tubal. That's the fifth and sixth sons of Japheth. C.I. Schofield, he believes that they established cities bearing their names. Uh, Meshach being Moscow and Tubal being uh, Tobolsk. And if, can you go back that slide one? one? And I'll give you an idea of, of where I think they're on this other yeah, so you got this area here and this area over here. So Moscow and Tobolsk. Okay, so that's, that's some of that belief. So again, you're pulling in now the area that really is, you're talking about Russia, modern-day Russia in that area right there. Um, mm -hmm. others, uh, uh, there's others who identify them as territories in Turkey, those two, those two names there. But uh, okay, so the next one is Persia. Ezekiel 38.5 says Persia. Lists it right there first thing. Now Persia changed its name to Iran in 1935. And then changed its name again in 1979 to the Islamic Republic of Iran. And if you're, if you're watching the news today, you know that Iran and Russia are, are friendly to say the least. 
Uh, a lot of stuff going on there. We're, the, we're, we're not friends with Iran, so of course Russia wants to run in there and be real close friends with them and want to help them get nuclear and have the weapons and anything. And Russia's trying to make money off of them, the whole thing. So uh, it's, Iran and Russia will be the leading forces in this final attempt to wipe Israel off the map. Now, you, you look at Russia and you go, why would Russia have any interest in coming down and messing with Israel? You know, these things, there's always more than what's just going on right there. And, and you see then you've got this relationship that Russia has with these other Islamic nations who all hate Israel. The, the one thing they have in common, they, they hate each other. I mean, they hate each other. That's the one thing about when you, when you talk about uh, Ishmael and the, and, and the 12 children of Ishmael, they all hated each other. There was conflict constantly, and, 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 and so they still hate each other now, but they have one thing in common, is they all hate the Jews more than they hate each other, and they want Israel wiped off the map. That's what they want. So we'll, that, that was, that's one of those underlying things that would be a motivator uh, for these groups to come together against Israel. Then you have Ethiopia. Now, that was founded by Cush, and that's the grandson of Noah through Ham, Genesis 10, 6 says the sons of Ham were Cush. That's the first one there. And so when, when the prophecy was made, Ethiopia was uh, the land south of Egypt. Let's go to that other slide again there, Kevin. All right, so now, now you look. At, it says Ethiopia, and that's the area south, and that was then. But see, that t today is not modern day. Just south of Egypt now is, can anybody tell me, geography guys? Sudan. And the Sudan, they love Israel. No, they don't. Sudan is, is, is they are a stark, stark enemy of, of Israel. They hate Israel to, uh, today. So the, 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 when you read here and we see Cush, and then that becomes Ethiopia. And Ethiopia at that time was a much bigger, but what we're talking about is that area south of Egypt, and that is today Sudan. So Sudan, who is an enemy of Israel, they would be involved with that. Another name on that list is Libya. So Genesis 10.6 speaks of the sons of Ham or Cush, Mizraim, and Put. And uh, so Put here went west of Egypt and it is the only country on Ezekiel's list that has its ancient name. It's, it still has the name Libya. It's the same name that was listed there. And so it's also found, it was also uh, founded by a son of Ham or Put. And I just read that. But this, it's a, also an Islamic nation and uh, also a friend of Russia. They're friendly with Russia. Their relationship is warming up. The government is renewing ties with Russia, renewing relationships, hoping to the, you know, purchase military armaments and to grow that. Um, this country today is still in civil war. How many of you remember when Gaddafi was overturned? Um, that was, I don't like violence. I don't like. I don't like to see it. You know, it's just I, if you do, there's something wrong with you. But um, I, even for somebody who did what he did, it's hard to watch that and to watch the way they brutalized him. The videos I saw were absolutely uh, just uh, amazing. But they, you know, they're no better than he was then when they when, with what they did. But but he's a, he was a murderer, and they're still in chaos today. It's a country that's in chaos and. So a country like that, it's not hard to get them to come alongside. There's some enticement. So they're friends with, with, uh, with Israel, I mean, with uh, Russia as well. Then we have Gomer that's in the list. And we find Gomer back in Genesis 10 too. And the sons of Japheth were Gomer and Magog. 
and the, those others that are listed. So he's the first son of Japheth. And some believe, because of similarities in the name, that Gomer was the founder of the nation that is now Germany. Now, not everybody believes that. Some others have different views of that. But it's interesting if you think about it, if Gomer is, in fact, Germany, and that's what we see on this slide, then, then Germany is a part of what organization today? The EU. So they're a part of that. So it, it, is, it, is it possible that we really are talking about the entire EU there, not just, not just Gomer, because Gomer is a part of that, and if that is, in fact, Germany, then, then when you pull that whole group in as well. And then there's uh, Togarma. Uh, we find that in Genesis 10, 3. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, uh, uh, Riphath, and Togarma. And that's the third son of Gomer. And Ezekiel located this nation for us. In, in 38, 6, Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma, far, uh, from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. So some commentators identify Togarma with Turkey. So that would be the area, obviously, just, just north of Israel, that, that huge area there in modern-day Turkey. So we see those areas, and again, what we see is Israel at this point, th this attack of these armies that are going to come against them, is, is, it's all around them. Now, those are the ones listed. But, but, if, but I could see if... If Libya has a strong relationship here and they're pulled in, they may get pulled in. There are others that may be pulled in as well that you could, you could conceivably see that. But God has listed, told us who is going to be the key players in that that are going to be pulled in. Russia and Turkey will lead the coalition. They will be joined by Iran from the east, Sudan and Libya from the south, and possibly Germany from the west in the form of a revived European coalition. Perhaps, again, that's the EU being involved there, this new Roman Empire. Ezekiel 38, 9, you will, uh, you will ascend. Again, he's, here's God still talking to, to Gog. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. So it, what we see here, this is truly, it is a bleak, it is a, uh, it, it is a very, very bad situation for Israel. I mean, they've been in some tough situations already. They've never been in a situation that will be like this. And, and as we talk more about that, it's, you're going to see why it's even more dire than it sounds. Because right now, Israel's on guard. And what we're going to see is it's going to come at a time where they're not on guard. So I'm never going to finish. i got 10 minutes. All right. All right, next thing. Well, let's talk about the Russian attack. Now, Ezekiel listed the armies. Then, then he goes from the listing the armies and who's involved with that here in chapter 38. Now he describes the invasion. And let's look at, uh, if, you're, if you're there, we're going to look at chapter 38, verses 7 through 17. And let's just read this. He says, Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I think I put this in my notes in the wrong place. I should have moved it back up. Now, as we read through this, I want you to listen. Because when he says, when, when Ezekiel's writing, what God is saying, when he says you or your, those kind of things, he's talking to Gog and he's speaking of Russia there. Okay? Now, when he says they and he says them, he's talking about the nation of Israel. 
Right, so as we read through this, so we don't get confused about who God's talking to, because we would think, it would be, as I would read, I would be wanting to think God's talking to Israel here. No, God's talking to Gog. He's still in conversation with him, and he's telling him what he's going to do. It's, it's amazing, this, this passage here. So prepare yourself, as he tells Gog, prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days you will be visited. In the latter years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. So he's speaking of Israel right there. They've come back to the land. It's been a desolate land for a long time, but they've, they've come back. He says, you will, again, Gog, you will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that, um, that, that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. Now, I'm going to tell you, when you talk about things that I see in Scripture that you find it hard to believe, I mean, it's not that I find it hard to believe because I know it's going to happen. That's not what I'm saying. It's just one of those things you go, how in the world does Israel get to a place where they would be considered? Now, unwalled doesn't mean they don't have walls. Unwalled just means they're not defending themselves. They're leaving the door open. The door's open. They, they've walked off and left those. Y'all seen those cannons they use? That are shooting at airplanes and stuff coming in. I mean, thousands of rounds. I mean, their, their shield of defense is unbelievable. And it's just thousands of rounds that they're shooting off. This, this is saying, look, they, they, these, these are peaceful people now. They, 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 they dwell safely. And they dwell, they're, they're, uh, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. This is a peaceful time in Israel. This, uh, this is a time where they're not, even, they're not even trying to defend themselves. I'm ahead of myself. I'm ahead of myself because there's never been a time in the history of Israel where never has that been the case. Never. But there's going to be. There's going to be a day. So to take, and, and, and so what is he doing? He's going in there to take plunder and to take booty and to... Stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Uh, Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish and all their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take, uh, to take great plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel dwell safely, you will, you will not know it. Um, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud, to cover the land. He says it there again. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land. Now, you caught this, right? You heard what he just said. God says, I will bring you against my land. 
God, God's bringing this. God's working this in his sovereignty. He's working this. It'll be in your mind to do this. He says, he says earlier back, he, he's, uh, uh, where was it at? Verse, verse 4, I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out with all your army. God's, God's going to lead them there. God is, and you go, why, God, would you bring them against Israel in this way? Why would you? Well, you've got to hear the rest of the story. Uh, where are we at? For 16? All right. You will, you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you. O Gog, before their eyes, thus says the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? So this prophecy is against Russia and the invading armies. That, that's what this prophecy is. He's talking about this. Uh, again, going back to 3, he says, Behold, he says in verse 3, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog. Okay, so that, that's, the, that's the, the, the situation. Um, all right, let's look one, one, one more section. I got three minutes. All right, I'm going to run quick. So why will they attack? Ezekiel gives us three reasons that they're going to attack. Number one, that they, they will go to seize Israel's land. Verse 11, you will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. So they're seeing, man, there's peace in Israel. They've got this peace. We're going to go take it. We're going to take this land. Russia's going to go. We're going to get this. They're not defending themselves. This will be easy pickings. Verse 12, it says, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited. So that they're thinking they're going to go and seize the land from Israel. All right, number two, that they'll go to steal Israel's wealth. Verse 12 says to take plunder and to take booty, um, to stre stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited. At the end of verse 13, it says to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder. I mean, that's, they're, they're going to, so they want to take the land. They want to take Israel's wealth. And the third thing is the great army from the north will seek to slaughter Israel's people. Now, who do you think's behind that? Well, Satan's behind that, number one. Uh, Iran is behind that. Every Islamic nation over there is behind that. And, and, we're, and we know that the enemies of God, this, this, this new Roman, this world leader, the Antichrist, oh, everybody's against Israel. They want to slaughter Israel. They want them destroyed. They don't want them just moved out. They don't want them to have the, you know, somebody else to have a part of a land there. It's not that the Palestinians want to have their piece of land. They don't want that. They want Israel gone. And, and that's what they want to do is they want to slaughter Israel's people. And verse 16 says, You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. So Israel, they've been, they have been hated. They've been hated all the way back since Abraham exiled Ishmael. They've been hated. And they desire, as I just said, they, they desire to annihilate the Jewish nation. They don't, they don't want peace with Israel, with, with Israel. They don't want to have peace with the Jews. They don't want to cohabitate there. They want the Jewish nation destroyed, done away with, the Jewish people all killed, and nothing else will satisfy those who hate Israel. We see that already, folks. And, and it amazes me that we continue, even now we're growing in an anti-Semitic 
It's growing in America. It's growing in countries. I mean, we, somebody said last week uh, they were talking about Germany, people in Germany saying the Holocaust didn't even happen. So there's a, there's a teaching that, 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 well, I mean, if you've got that history, do you really want to acknowledge it? No, they don't want to acknowledge it. But you can't deny history. You can't just make it up any way you want to. All right, so that's where we'll pick up. We'll do a quick recap next uh, time we come together. That'll be three weeks from one, two, three weeks from tonight. Uh huh. You talk about thieves in Israel not having the gates and everything. That would lead us to believe this is the middle of the seven. Exactly. Because the great pieces right. covered the world and now it's about to be destroyed. Exactly. Yeah, the, you start to piece these things. So that's why I think it, I think the way we're going to wrap about this is good because you're going to have a we're going, we're going to have this overview of the different players involved here, and then when we get into into Revelation and tying all this stuff back into it. But, but you see that we talk about that piece, that seven year piece, the Antichrist. What's the first thing? And we talk about that. And we'll talk about it in three weeks because that's in here. The Antichrist is going to come on the scene, and the first thing he's going to do is bring peace. He's going to solve this this. This uh, Arab-Israeli problem, this strife that's already been, he's going to solve that. Now, this is what's amazing. How does he do that? How do you do that in a way that Israel, that's the part that blows my mind, that Israel basically lays down its arm. Now, Israel desires peace. I've been over there and I've talked to, uh, you know, our tour guide, he's as, he's as, He's as Jew and as, as Israel-loving as you'll ever find. And talking with him, he talks about this. They desire peace. They want to live in peace. How it gets to that place to where peace is promised, and they, and they lay it down. They lay it, it, it will take, I almost believe it just takes God changing their hearts to accept that and go, oh, it's almost like God gives them a spirit of 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 what? Oh, yes. Well, I, you you know that's got to be a part of it, right? I mean, you saw, did anybody, anybody see what America just did? We just put out some proclamation, something. I, I don't even remember now what it was. Oh wow! I just had a thought. I'm gonna go. Y'all with me for a minute? Yep. Okay. So we just did something where we called. The Temple Mount, it has always been called the Temple Mount. We now only call it by the name that Arabs give it. We've taken it. There's no, there is nothing. This administration has totally wiped out anything that would have to the Jews' claim on that piece of property right there. Now, it sounds like a little thing, except it's not. Remember I told you all a couple of weeks ago, every time we do something like that, there, there have been, they have documented where bad things have happened in America. It just hit me. I read that in the last week, and we just had a, a tornado that ran for 250 miles. I mean, they're talking like a once-in-a-lifetime type of storm. Oh, that's amazing. I, that, I have, that hadn't even clicked till just then. Um, but yes, you, you, you go in there and you promise, hey, we, we're bringing peace. They're this. We're going to enforce it on them. You can build the temple. We'll take down the mount. This temple, this, the Arab thing, you can build your temple there. There's peace. We all happy. It, it, it's amazing. I don't know how they're going to get to there from where they are right now because they, they understand every day. If you're a Jew in Israel, every day is a fight for your existence. 
We don't understand that, folks. If we did, we'd be probably a little more aggressive than we are right now. There, it's a fight for their life every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody, everybody goes into the military. I think it's two years. When we were there in 02 and 04, when we were in 02, there was a lot of tension. I mean, there was a lot. We went through to go from Jerusalem over into Bethlehem. We had to, they parked the bus. They wouldn't let any of the Israelis, the Jews, could not go into Bethlehem. They couldn't go into the Palestinian side. The last time I was there, three years ago, no problem. They drove the bus right in, everything. But at that point, we had to get off the bus. We had to go through a checkpoint. There's military there on both sides with guns. Israel's sitting there with a tank pointed at the soldiers on the other side. I mean, it's, it's that. We go in. We're in the, we're in the church of the, of, of the, of the uh, nativity. We're in there, and we hear boom, boom. And all of a sudden, tour guy's like, all right, we're, uh, tour's done. We're, we're, we'll be heading out. And, they, and it wasn't like there was a battle going on, but they were out there showing muscle. That was, that was what was going on then. Um, it's, so, it's, it's amazing that and it's where, everywhere we went, teenage boys, teenage girls, full military garb, armed, you wouldn't want to mess with any of them because they knew how to use it. And then the last time we were there, we didn't see the first military person. And they were everywhere, but they, were, they, were, um, they weren't dressed in their military. They were, they're always around. And they were, they were, you know, they're packing. But, so it's just, they are. They have to protect themselves. All right. Any questions or comments? I've already gone five over. I wish I had another 45 minutes. Okay. All right. Well, hope everybody will be here Sunday. And I hope you're inviting for Sunday night. How many do we, how many do we have left, Kristen? Nine. How many? Nine. nine. We have nine uh, poinsettias.